And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. Welcome back. It's been just a few days, but we're excited to chat with you again. Since last we spoke, the Blue Jays have uh, won a ball game. And at the time here that we are recording, the Blue Jays winning another ball game. Something that if you are a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays, you love to see. You love to see George Springer back in the Blue Jays uniform, batting fifth as predicted. Looking good? Well, looking looking fine. Uh, I believe I, uh, here we are in, the, in Tuesday's game is still ongoing, but I believe that in the two in the almost two full games that he's played in center field, George Springer is yet to field a fly ball. I don't think the ball's been hit to him at all, which is uh, which is funny. But uh, good to see George Springer back in the lineup. Good to see that lineup getting long, getting dangerous. No rest for the wicked when you are facing the Toronto Blue Jays. Speaking of no rest, if you want to get this show without any rest, without any waiting, you want to subscribe to The Athletic. You want to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You want to subscribe on Spotify. You want to subscribe anywhere that you find your podcast. And that would be great. You can even give us a rating or a review if you have the opportunity, if you feel up to it. I would appreciate it. My co-host, Caitlin McGrath, she would appreciate it too. Caitlin, of course, does not join us here in the midweek episodes of Spin Rate because Caitlin is too busy covering the Toronto Blue Jays for The Athletic. And if you want to read everything it is that she writes about the Toronto Blue Jays, you need to subscribe. You need to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. They'll give you a tidy discount and you will let them know that we sent you, which helps. Keeps us in uh, podcast bucks. Keeps us going, churning out these two episodes a week. Keeps producer Cam and cat and dog food, which judging by the background of his call of, of his sound before we started to record, he's in dire need of right now. So subscribe to the show, subscribe to The Athletic, have yourself a great time. Not only can you read what Caitlin wrote, you can read uh, what all the national writers write. You can read about what Ken Rosenthal is writing, about the about the latest in baseball. As baseball does a bunch of wild stuff with cryptocurrency, which is just so hilariously tone deaf. But hey, they're trying to reach the kids. You can read what people are writing about this, the gunk on the ball. You can read Andy McCullough wrote a really interesting story about the Rays who you hear a lot about on this podcast with a great deal of bitterness and resentment. But it's an interesting look behind the scenes a little bit of the Rays and how the players that are there and the players that leave, they love to play in Tampa. And there's some really good lines uh, and really good quotes that Andy gets and that Andy writes as only he can. So I recommend you check that story out. It's not going to help you to dislike the Rays any less, I hope. But it's definitely worth a, a, a look and have an understanding of some of the stuff that you wouldn't, of all the teams, you wouldn't expect the Rays to have, uh, have 
endeared themselves so much to the players, to the guys that come in to their team. Because I think the biggest thing is that everybody knows the score. They know what is the deal when they sign a piece of paper that says you're going to play for Tampa Bay. They know what to expect. There's a lot of transparency. They treat them like people right up until the moment that they treat them like numbers. And I think that that kind of connects itself to the Blue Jays a little bit. Blue Jays have spent so much time and energy and paid so much lip service, but also done a lot of actual work, I think, to make the the organization, uh, uh, make the players feel invested in the organization, make the players feel recognized by the organization, which kind of touches on some of the stuff that we talk about with this week's guest on Spin Rate, which is the Tao of Steve. You've been reading him since back in the old Blogspot days. You follow him on Twitter. Now you can read him on Sportsnet. And he wrote something just a couple weeks ago that I encourage you to go check out. We talk a lot about that idea of player development, making people believe in the, in the player, player development, having the Blue Jays believe in their own player development and understand that they've got a plan for a guy like Nate Pearson. They've got a plan for a guy like Thomas Hatch. And they've got success that speaks to the ability to turn those plans into action, to turn... To, to help players become the best version of themselves on the field, you know, with a little bit of hope that they can do the same thing off the field as well. But it was a great chat with someone I've known online and in real life now for a long, long time. So with no further ado, I hope you enjoy this edition of Spin Rate with special guest, the Dow of Steeb, which is just going to happen after now. All right, as I mentioned before, it is my pleasure at this time to introduce an old friend of mine, Someone you can read on Sportsnet. You follow him on Twitter. I could only assume his name is Dow Steve, and I'm so excited to have him on, sir. Thank you for taking the time to join me to talk about the Blue Jays. I am always happy to to join, and uh, and uh, it's, it's definitely a step down from Caitlin, but uh, I'll do my best to hold my own here. It's we only get Caitlin once a week because otherwise. You know, I we made I made the joke for years about like the the John Stewart Larry Sanders thing. I, I, this is now you are now my audience, so who I know will appreciate this reference, where many of the listeners will not. But this is the it's this has been a long time coming. She is John Stewart making her way in, shoving me Larry Sanders, the neurotic longtime guy, out of the way. And for one, I embrace it. But in the meantime, with 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 only once a week, it's all we can get from her because she's so busy covering the team for The Athletic. I'm excited for you and I to talk, to talk about Toronto Blue Jays. So you, as I said, you, we folks can read you on Sportsnet, and you wrote something just a couple weeks ago about this is like the new age of, of, of the Blue Jays. This is the kind of a little bit of the future is now, I think is, is sort of the sense that, that a lot of folks get. What do you feel about this current iteration of the Toronto Blue Jays? I mean, this is a really exciting, uh, it's a really exciting year. And the funny thing, of course, is that I wrote that article and then immediately, you know, the bullpen went into uh, tailspin and the, they lost whatever it was, six uh, straight. And so, of course, you know, I, I've, it's not that I felt like I jinxed the team. I just had terrible timing in terms of writing something, uh, uh, talking up you know, uh, where the team was at that moment. But, you know, I, I mean, if you look at the team's run differential, they were whatever they were plus 44, I guess, plus 47 at this point, uh, in the particular, uh, uh, evening, um, 
you know, there's there's things that are just all pointing in the right direction. You've got guys who are uh, young, but I mean, emerging, coming into their own. Um, you know, it's it's an exciting uh, it's an exciting team that you know over the last couple of years there were there were uh, young players who were coming in and but there was a lot of sort of you know. Uh, place fillers uh, uh, who were there just to sort of, you know, I mean, take up a roster spot and, and uh, carry them through. But, you know, I mean, with, uh, with who they've brought in uh, with the, you know, between uh, Ryu and now actually seeing uh, George Springer in the lineup, uh, you know, it's, it's a team that, you know, it might not have reached the destination, but it's definitely, at a place that is, uh, that's, you know, really compelling, really, uh, exciting. And I think the other side uh, of that is that it's kind of a, a, a real strange sensation for this to all be happening from a distance, right? Like, I mean, we're not having that experience. Um, when I think back on, uh, 2015, um, going to see that series against the the Kansas City Royals when the Royals were good and they were throwing at Donaldson and the Blue Jays had just acquired uh um Tulowitzki and and Price and like it and a few weeks earlier I'd gone and I had a section to myself and then you know that weekend the place was jammed there was so much energy and it's it's sort of strange to be missing that part of it um and and maybe that's maybe things are a little muted as a result, but I think that there's just there's a, a lot to be excited about this year. I think that you've I really like the way that you've positioned this, and it makes me think about a term like momentum. People talk about the team's got momentum or they don't have momentum, and that 2015 team, which we, we've been talking a lot about recently on on this show and in general, but. That the momentum of the team was a they were winning all these ball games and then they started beating just the living tar out of everybody, but the momentum was in that palpable energy, sound, noise, the visuals of the building being full of people who maybe hadn't been there in a few years or just all of the people that would show up independently over the course of a of a hundred sixty two game season were suddenly all there together more often than not, and this Blue Jays team right now doesn't have that kind of outside momentum sort of filling in the gaps. So the, and to, to coin a, or to use a uh, Teoscar Hernandez based phrase, which is that the vibes around the team um, at this, this year are, are not great. They're, they're not great. I mean, they're similar to last year, but worse because the other teams have, have that, have that energy. So when the Blue Jays are mired in a six game losing streak, but it's compounded by the fact that they are somehow the visiting team in their own ballpark, that they don't have the familiar sights and sounds of the Rogers Center, a place that would be fuller, getting fuller as all of these uh, deals have been made. Like Hyunjin Ryu hasn't pitched in front of a, a, in front of a Canadian crowd with a huge group of Korean fans there cheering him on. Nobody's been to see George Springer, which, you know, if you go to the ballpark, there's bound to be countless George Springer jerseys and things like that, which you haven't had that. So that, that vibe has been way off. And I think that it, for me, I think I've, I've been kind of over correcting and overcompensating and, you know, they lose six games in a row and they look, it's not that they're playing bad. It's just like, man, this team's got a lot of holes. But then it 
gets turned around that much more quickly. Oh, they won, they win a few in a row. They play against some worse teams. They get a couple of good players back. And the next thing you know, you're like, maybe this isn't all gloom and doom. Like there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to this group in the future and the present, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, it's definitely, it is definitely missing that energy and the way that this team, you know, there would be chatter around it if, um, you know, you were part of the 40,000 people who were marching down to the, to the ballpark. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it, it's a, and the Blue Jays are a different sort of team in that way. And that, you know, there's people like me who come into the city to go see the Blue Jays. And like, that's sort of a different level of excitement. Like, you know, it's not just sort of rolling out of the office and saying, what the hell will go down or, or grab the corporate tickets. It's like making the effort of, of, uh, going, getting a hotel, whatever. And when you do that, you like walk out on a game day through the lobby and, you know, you and, you know, 30 other people are walking out the front door of the lobby in Blue Jays gear heading down. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a cool energy. And, you know, it's something that's really particular to the Blue Jays, you know, and the fact that, you know, there, there isn't going to be the Seattle uh, invasion this year. There isn't going to be the Minnesota invasion. And Mm -hmm. some people have said maybe, you know, what happened with the Yankees fans in, in Buffalo or the, the Rays fans in Dunedin is sort of the comeuppance for all of those years of Blue Jays fans traveling really well. But, you know, uh, nevertheless, I, I, I mean, there's, there's still, there's still, I mean, excitement for those of us who sort of like live on social media and, and, and mm-hmm. eat it up through the, you know, through a series of screens. Um, there's still uh, a lot of, uh, there's still a lot of excitement, I think. And the frustration, I think, is uh, in a lot of ways a very, um, a very understandable one. Uh, this is a, a a good team that has a good offense, really good starting pitching, which was the thing that everybody coming into the season was saying, like, what are they going to do about their starting pitching? Their starting pitching has been uh, great. Like who knew that, that, uh, that um, Ross Stripling was going to be pitching like 2000, uh, you know, 2003 Roy Halliday suddenly, you know, like, I mean, he was, he's been, been amazing, but it's that, I I guess this is to say that it really does underscore the frustration of what has happened with the bullpen and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and people are, are, you know, understandably frustrated and jumping on that. I, I think for me, the thing that I just, that, that, the anxiety that that causes me is the the fact that you know you look at some teams that have been good teams over the last few years that have just been completely undone by a bullpen like the Phillies a couple of years ago loaded up had a good offense had you mm-hmm. know a good starting pitching they just had nothing in their bullpen and there's like a few there's a few days where you're staring down you know bullpen ace uh, Joel Piamps and trying to figure out how they're going to pull this together, especially when they've got, you know, 12 outs to get. So there is no, there is no room for Joel Piamps slander on this show. Let me tell you, I have become a full believer in Joel Piamps. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Another piece of this, and that I think we can take this into the next piece of next part of this conversation, which is that the problem, another problem that presents the 2021 Blue Jays is that they don't have any margin for error. They don't, they, they are not like the White Sox. So the White Sox are a talented team. The Blue Jays went into Chicago and got beat pretty good by a good White Sox team, but a White Sox team that has undergone more than its fair share of injuries, losing two incredibly important players from its outfield. Uh, but the White Sox have a lot more margin for error. They have a, they've got nothing but soft spots, more or less, on their schedule, where the Blue Jays don't. A, they've played a very tough schedule, but B, they're just in so tough in the American League East that until they, you know, especially with a, with a, with a uh, schedule that had backloaded so many Orioles games, that has backloaded a lot of the kind of softer teams in the American League Central and, and, uh, and, and the West as well. The Blue Jays have not really had any let up such that the, the flaws and the weaknesses in the team have been exposed. And to so because now they're just treading water in fourth place. They're you know we can talk about the run differential and the things that have contributed to the fact that they've underperformed that. But being in tough, I think, might help them in the long run. And here's why: because it has in fact exposed the weak spots in the lineup. It has kind of helped to separate the wheat from the chaff, which is to say that. Do you think, or or knowing now what we know, and and kind of gotten beyond the April when the bullpen's great, everything's amazing, that they can they get everybody out? Do you think it's going to be make the team more likely or more inclined to take significant steps to sort of address some of these holes and make this year's team better? So I think that if you look at the fact that they went after Ryu last year and Springer this year, and that they weren't sort of kicking things back to, okay, you know what? The perfect time for us is going to be 2022 or 2023 or whatever. And we'll sort Mm -hmm. of wait and load up for then. Um, You know, it's something that I've always, uh, that I had been sort of grumbling about for years is like, why wait until the perfect moment, go get good guys. And then like the perfect moment will arrive before you know it. So there does seem to be more inclination for this front office to go and to to move, I think that you're on to something here um, in terms of, I think in two ways. On the field, I think playing tough games and losing them sometimes is not um, is not a bad thing for a team because I think you know maybe it's a sports cliche, but sometimes you have to learn to win by losing. And uh, and you know a, a bunch of those tough games were against the Rays, were against the Red Sox, were against the Yankees, were against the teams that they're going to have to beat in order to uh, get into the playoffs. So 
And then the other side of this, frankly, is, um, is looking at what the front office is going to do and how are they going to be moved to, to start to be uh, more aggressive on the in-season acquisitions. Um, and, you know, it's funny because people draw this big contrast between what Alex Anthopoulos did in 2015 versus uh, what this front office has done. Alex Anthopoulos was exactly like this front office, you know, for years, was cautious, was, you know, um, again, looking for the right time to add the right guys and and what have you and, and aggressive. But, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the year before, um, uh, they they went all in on those uh, deadline deals in 2015. The year before, they had a bunch of angry uh, people mm-hmm. in their clubhouse uh, complaining that they didn't make deals. So passing the hat know, for Irvin Santana. Yeah. So I mean, I think that I, I think that the question is: uh, Is the front office going to see you know that this is a good team that they are? close enough that they have all of the resources uh, to go out and to acquire um, what they need to, to kind of put this team over the top. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I don't, I don't blame them at this point for not going out and looking for relievers and trade, because I just think that the timing is wrong and they're going to, you know, being the first team out there begging for major league quality relievers um, is, you know, is something that is just going to end up with them having the price tag get jacked up on them. And I, I don't blame them for not, you know, for not buying at this point. I, I do blame them for not being more creative with the arms that they already have in the system. Um, I, and I, I do feel like they're being, you know, with all of their players so incredibly cautious about how they bring them, uh, how they, how they bring them back. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the way that they, the, the the amount of caution that they've shown with with Nate Pearson and the whole idea that well we're stretching him out because he's a starter it's like you know you need this guy's arm now because he's one of your 14 13 best arms whatever and you know rather than uh, you know fiddling around with um, I'm trying to I, I'm trying to find the reliever who uh, I won't offend you with uh, <laughs> with, with his erasure. Uh, you know, rather than than fiddling around with Jeremy Beasley, um, you know, uh, it's go and 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 get Thomas Hatch and and get Nate Pearson. You can find a way to get them two to three innings and manage their work at least for a few weeks, at least until you start to get, you know, a Barucky and, and, uh, you know, Merriweather or whoever else uh, back. But, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm definitely not uh, as hard on this front office as a lot of people are, but I I do um, uh, worry that they, may be missing an opportunity this year if they don't, um, uh, especially just in the short term. I think that's that's a good way to look at it. And I think that I appreciate that they have value associated with it with a given player. They don't want to to deter Nate Pearson's 
uh, uh, path, if they think that he's on a path to being a, a big league starter and, and a significant contributor and a, a guy who's going to be among their you know best players in the next couple of years, I get that they don't um, want to move off of that path. But also, I think that that the here and the now is important, and that that the value of 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 finding effective stop gaps and finding effective ways to to win and make the team better now can sometimes try, trump what's going to come down the road to to the point that again the point that i made on the show on on the weekend or i guess that was monday night but like what's happening here is unique right this 2021 blue jays team is unique there isn't likely to be a marcus simeon well i mean there could be if the blue jays are able to 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 find another player like this land in their lap as he has on a one-year deal robbie ray you know is, is likely pitching himself uh beyond the blue jays uh, uh budget and he's pitching so well even steven matz who's you know been a little bit up and down but he you wouldn't ask for more when you what you got him for where his where he was as as a, as a big league arm there is opportunity here there is opportunity here, not necessarily to blow the blow their brains out and to to expend all, all or a significant amount of the prospect capital that they have, but there's a lot to be said for demonstrating to this core that what they've done has been acknowledged, and the team as an organization wants not even to reward them, wants to give them what it what they what they need or what the, what they can agree to as this is the thing that could really put us in a position put the ball into the into the into the player's court right i, I think that was something we talked about that's something that was talked a lot about in the offseason was like signing george springer takes the pressure off of boba and and vladimir guerrero jr um which i agree with to a point i think it took the pressure off for, for them to be like the guy who is to contribute but also put the pressure squarely squarely on them by saying like we filled a hole you need to go out there and compete and show us that we, you know, demonstrate the faith that we've placed in you by, by doing right by George Springer and making sure that if we think we can put a winning team on the field, we need you to hold up your end of the bargain. And I think that they can continue that by making moves, by making moves, maybe not just the bullpen, but I think that, again, there's lots of rumors that have been bandied about and names and, you know, if they acquired a third baseman or if they acquired another starter, I mean, Anything I think at this point that is a, a bold enough move to to move the needle to get them up close to or beyond maybe what the Yankees and Red Sox and Rays are capable of doing, I'm all for. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying trade everything for nothing, but I'm willing to listen on if I'm if I'm in that position, which I'm not. I'm willing to listen on uh, on just about anything to see what can make the team better now. And you know, I I think mentioning Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon and and just how they've sort of come up uh you know with you know uh great hands with those two um that's my bad poker analogy i'm not enough of a poker player to come up with a <laughs> to, to throw a poker analogy out there but but you know they've got two guys on one-year deals who are um one is uh got a really good chance of starting in the all-star game and the other one i think you could make a decent argument that he would uh belong as a as an all-star this year um those two things are uh, are, are you know you can't guarantee that you're going to get that uh, in any given year. So having two guys playing at that level, I think probably should be something that that um, incites you to you know uh, be a little more aggressive and um, you know not uh, not necessarily 
so focused on on the plan. Um, you know, there's the I'm trying to I can't remember the German general who said this in the 1800s, but you know, no good battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, I guess Mike Tyson said, you know. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, right? That's what so, I was going to say. The great German general Mike Tyson from, yeah, uh, from yeah. the Catskills. So, yeah, um, but you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think that they have seen how good this team can be. I think that they have seen how vulnerable this team uh, could be, uh, and uh, I, but there's a there's a real opportunity here, and you know, I mean. It's funny because we've been going back to the 2015 team. Like I'm an old man who can go back to, you know, those teams between 85 and 91. And there was a whole bunch of, you know, uh, uh, one step forward, two steps back with those teams. And, and, you know, they, they needed to learn uh, over the years how to how to win, and I, I think you know if if there had been the playoff system that there is now, then it would have been a different uh, perspective mm-hmm. of just how great those teams were uh, throughout that time. But um, but yeah, I mean, like the 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 what the organization and what the players learned in between uh you know i think especially in between 89 and and 92 um and, and that's what the opportunity is here i think is to to you know to play i mean it's a cliche but to play meaningful baseball to be playing baseball that matters uh, and and to have people like uh, like Vlad get put into that sort of pressure cooker. I mean, he seems like he can, you know, he seems like he can deal with it. And it's been something where this year it's, it's interesting to see that he's always seemed to have the mentality and now the body is caught up. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The body took a step back for a couple of years and now it's caught back up and he is such a smart ball player. And it's so cool to, to see that. And, you know, someone should write a newsletter about him. Uh, <laughs> someone should but, do it more regularly than they do, but nonetheless, yeah. but your point is well taken and much appreciated. But I, I think that, I think you're right. I think that, that if nothing else, this is an opportunity to, to see to to get a good sense of of these young guys and and again this is this is why the the people in the front office make lots of money and do those difficult jobs because they have to make those kinds of calls because i mean i'll ask you like we can we can even go through i mean Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is having an incredible season. Could be the best season of his career. We don't know. There's no. There's no. There's no reason to believe that he's going to get worse. But there's no reason to believe that this is like the new standard upon for from which every season of his is going to be based. That would be unrealistic. He's having like an all time great season for anybody to have ever worn that uniform. But like, if I ask you about Bo Bichette, are you confident that Bo Bichette could be better than he is in 2021? Are you? Do you feel like again? He's 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 showing development. He's showing improvement. But again, there are still shortcomings in his game. There are still things that let make you scratch your head from time to time. Uh, you know, is, is it, do you, do you, are you, do you feel like as a front office, is it like, am I trying to catch, catch lightning in a bottle? Like it's, it's so tough. I, I don't even know where to, where to go with it, but I, but I know that, that what's happening now doesn't feel like it comes along that often and to just play it safe and let it sort of go by and be like, well, we'll be even better next year. I feel like that's a little, there's a, there's a different kind of risk in that. Yeah. And I think, 
there's a there's a trap that you can fall into, which is that you just assume that you know you're going to have uh, uh, linear development or or a development that uh, that moves uh, in an upward uh, trajectory um, necessarily. And so, you know, um, I, I mean, there's people take steps back and there's injuries and there's all sorts of uh, things along those lines. Um, I, I think, uh, it, you know, seeing Vladdy, I mean, it, it, I think it probably gives, uh, uh, it gives them a whole new perspective on what he could be. I, I think, you know, I, I remember over the last two seasons checking to see if he had gotten uh, his OPS over 800. That seemed to be this like, sort of thing like oh did he get it over 800 and uh you know i i would have been happy like just to see that with Bo, i mean uh there's there's still room for uh growth uh with bobichet but it's funny because it, 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 you know people get upset about this idea that we hype these guys and yet you know bobichet stole his 12th base today mm-hmm. um you know, like this is a guy who could be 25, 25 this year. He's could be a 30, 30 uh, player, which, you know, I mean, those are counting stats and whatever, but you know, like uh, when, when, when somebody hits one over the fence, you don't shrug at the fact that it's a counting stat, you know, in the middle of that game, like you're mm-hmm. happy to, to have that. So, so, you know, I, I, but I do think that you, that it's a, it's a really sort of delicate balance um, or, or it's, it's a lot more complex, I think, than, than sometimes we appreciate, you know, and it's easy for us to say, just load up, just keep loading up. But, you know, they, they kind of have to get a sense of who all of these guys are is uh, I mean, we're starting to see Randall Grichuk uh, start to regress back to being Randall Grichuk. Uh, mm-hmm. But, Teoscar Hernandez is sort of, you know, is developing in a different way. I mean, there's, uh, there's, I mean, the system is over a hundred players and they've got to try and figure out, you know, what each of those hundred players are going to offer to them, uh, you know, this year and the year after and the year after. Um, But I don't think that you can ever go wrong by trying to win today. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And I think that the, to the front office's credit, they've built enough of a base of talent that they can add to the big league team without subtracting or, or affecting negatively the larger, the bigger picture. There are players that they can say, you know, listen, Gabriel, Gabby Moreno is not necessarily going to be out there in a trade unless it's something massive. Uh, uh, Austin Martin, probably not going to get traded. But maybe Jordan Groshans is. Maybe the guy, then they start with the Kevin Smiths and the Samad Taylors and these guys that are maybe blocked, have a lot of barriers between them and the big leagues, but can obviously still play, can contribute on a good team, on a bad team. I mean, look, the Blue Jays are playing the Marlins right now. John Birdie, who kind of uh, spent a ton of time in the Blue Jays system, is out there. He's an everyday player. Is he going to be an all-star? Is he going to have a 10- or 12-year career? Not sure, but right now he's contributing. Uh, that's a good thing to have. That's a, that's a good problem to have when you've got too much talent and not enough places to put it. Because sometimes you can put it into another organization and get something that you need out of it. So I think that they can do that. I think that they can make a few moves like that. I think they can, they can bite the bullet maybe and be like, man, we really like this guy. He's really a improved since he's come into our system. B, we love his work ethic. C, you know, uh, he's, he's really shown that he wants to be better. And those guys are hard to give up. I understand that for front offices. Those are the, the things like that that I've just made up or listed in an arbitrary order in my head. But those are the kind of guys that, that, that teams hate to give up. But at the same time, it's like I, I've, I've long believed that if you can demonstrate the value of your player development system and that you do develop good players, A, it helps you because you keep developing good players. But B, it makes other organizations believe in the guys that you're producing. And then instead of being like, oh, this is a guy they shoved into this ballpark because they knew that he would put hit a few extra home runs there, and then off he goes. Uh, I think that that the Blue Jays can be proud of the player development system that they've built because, A, they can replace some of these guys that come up, and, B, they can turn them into things that can help make the 2021 or even the 2022 team better. I know that some those are the kind of deals that that – that I, I keep my eye on, like, oh, there's an extra year of supply. There's an extra year of uh, on this guy that before he can become a free agent. Um, I think those are the great, really the way that that I would love to see the Blue Jays go because uh, because again they have they've got a really special group in place right now. They have a, a steep hill to climb, right there. That's the other thing too. That it, it, 2021 is challenging because again they're in so tough in the American League East, but but I don't think that's there's no reason to not try. Just because you know that the other teams in your that you're that you're facing are just as good as you or better, yeah. And I mean, you know, the it's it's funny because I, I heard you know uh, when I heard that Tampa had lost six in a row, I was stunned because you start to look at them as this like big. I mean, you know, they're 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 Tampa, but they're they they're so annoyingly efficiently good at times and you just think like they're just going to run away from uh, with this and then suddenly it's like uh they've come back to the pack they're trailing the uh 
they were trailing the Red Sox in the in the standings. The Red Sox have been good, but you know, like there's still there's still an opportunity um, there. And you know, I I don't think that this team needs to move the to to move you know heaven and earth. I mean, if you and to go back to the 2015 team again, like what were the things that like really helped to solidify that team down the stretch? I mean. You know, and frankly, Tulo missed a bunch of games and didn't play especially well. Price mm-hmm. was great, but mm-hmm. you know, but it's guys like Mark Lowe and Latroy Hawkins, uh, Jason you know, Grilly. Guy, Jason, you know, Jason Grilly, Joaquin Andujar, you know, uh, in the 2016 teams, you know, like Joaquin Benoit, you, I, Joaquin I, Benoit, I did, I did Joaquin same, Andujar. Um, I did the same thing. <laughs> they, they, they brought him through time, but yeah, uh, yeah. But but you know those those guys who they didn't get give up a ton for who they got um, and who were really key and that's the the thing like and everyone's looking for relievers right now everyone knows the Blue Jays are desperate for relievers maybe they're going to get a bunch of these guys back from the injured list but um, I think that you know it, it. it's not going to take a take a lot for this team and you know you sort of do the math and they probably have to go something like. 55 and 35 down the stretch to kind of get a good run at a, at a playoff spot. But with the team that they have with some additions, I I think, I don't think that's impossible. No, you're right. And, and I don't, I don't want to take too much of your time here, but I think that the addition of George Springer is a great example of like just that, that lineup being lengthened uh, naturally, well, naturally with 150 million dollars, but but without a great amount of uh, of work, not a, not an in season addition uh, 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 or a subtraction. Again, the team gets better when you see players like you know they're not giving at bats to you know poor Rowdy Telez and and some of these other guys who are sort of filling in and Jonathan Davis. You know, we, it was it was great. To, to at the beginning of the season be like, wow, it would be so good if these guys came along and sort of really stepped up and stole a job or made themselves indispensable. And unfortunately, those players um, haven't done that yet. But just by having, you know, some guys come up, some guys come down, but then just the overall talent level on offense is really something to be reckoned with. So I, I think that you're right. I think, again, another another example from that 2015 season is that they didn't, they spent a lot of prospect capital, but nothing to the other point is that, the guys that they gave up, nobody really made a huge impact. I mean, who's the most impactful player that they traded away? It could be Miguel Castro at this point, right? Miguel yeah. Castro's had like a pretty long and, and steady career. He's always got a he's always got a job. He's doing he's always got work. Um, he's not been nearly as you know up and down as Daniel Norris, for example, or Matt yeah. Matt Boyd, who had a couple great years, but now is sort of struggling again. It's uh, you know you got to give to get, and I think that the Blue Jays a in 2015 did pretty well, and if the Blue Jays in 2021 didn't don't even have to be that dramatic and going after those kind those kind of names. Um, but st- but still put themselves in a position to make this this uh, an even better club than it is. Yeah, and you know just the the, the one thing that I think um, that I, I think you know for this year and looking ahead, but also looking back, um, the is seeing the way that Robbie Ray is pitching. You know, Stephen Matz has been a little up and down, but Ross uh, Stripling, like seeing these guys who 
you know, I, I was getting my Twitter mentions filled with, you know, oh, they're dumpster diving or no, why didn't they go and get, you know, fill in the blank, this guy or that guy, whatever. And God, I wish they had gotten Kevin Gossman after, you know, watching him, uh, you know, pitch so far this year and this afternoon, um, you know, uh, against Shohei Otani. Like, but uh, the th- one of the the things, and and maybe it's obvious, and maybe we don't talk about it enough, is is just what a treasure they have with uh, Pete Walker. I think. I mean, we don't know. I mean, we kind of assume that Pete Walker is like the one who goes and and sprinkles the the pixie dust on these guys, but uh, it got me thinking back to you know, guys like Marco Estrada and guys like Jay Happ, who, you know, kind of came uh, to, to Toronto and, and came back to Toronto and, and became something better than they had ever been. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think uh, it's really cool that they basically have been able to turn their starting pitching into a strength. And it does give you, I think uh, some optimism uh, that they would be able to continue to do that in in the future. Um, I wouldn't want to necessarily bank on them always being able to turn like a a number four starter into a number two, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, it's, it's, it's definitely been something that's uh, that I I think is, is, is notable about what's happened to the team so far this year. And I, but, and I think that, that's a great, this is a great note to end on because it gives me a chance to say bad things about the Rays as always, which <laughs> is that the Rays have done a great job of doing exactly that, right? The Rays, the Rays model is to buy low and then sell high. They, they, they target abilities, skills, if it's extension, if it's spin, if it's perceived spin, perceived velocity, different looks, whatever. When it comes to pitchers, relievers in particular, they've got a really, really, really exemplary track record of developing these guys, of turning their whole team into a run, a run preventing machine. But number one, if it doesn't work, everyone shrugs and goes on with their day because of the raise and they don't have any money. And it's like, well, they did their best. And well, who knew these guys got all got hurt because they either come out and they're amazing for the raise or they get hurt and, and off they go. But the other thing is that, that to, to your well-made point is that's a great thing to have. The, the entire uh, um, organization when it comes to developing pitchers and Caitlin wrote a great story about that, about Pete Walker and Matt Bushman and the analytics team and how they all sort of work as one and they're able to slowly over time kind of integrate changes and uh, the Ross Stripling change is a great one, something that Pete Walker maybe noticed almost right away, but wanted to get to know uh, Ross and wanted to kind of you know, ingratiate himself and make it so that that was a natural change that came. And then Stripling came to it on his own. And, and Pete Walker was like, oh, well, that worked out well, because that's what I was, would have suggested, you know, four months ago. But to the ability to do that, to turn straw, to spin straw into gold is great. But also the willingness to not only rely on that and be like, you know what else is a good thing to do? You know, uh, parachuting in a really good pitcher who, who we can just ask him to go out and perform and do what he does. And then he does it. And we're all and we're all the better for it. I think that's what the Blue Jays have that advantage, which sort of the Rays or sort of the Red Sox and sort of the Yankees, but the ability to do find both those things, find those 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 uh, those uncut gems, find those those uh, diamonds in the rough, but also be like that really sparkly guy is going to cost us a lot of money, like David Price, right? They didn't need to they didn't need to use any magic to get David Price. They were just like, come on in, throw your cutter a bunch, get paid, off you go. Everybody was happy, so. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for the Blue Jays to do to do that to isolate those guys to know we can make that guy better, but also know we don't need to make that guy better. 
he's already really good and he's going to make our team even better. Mr. Tao, thank you so much for taking the time. Where can the people find you? Where can the people read your stuff? Uh, <laughs> most likely you're going to find me, um, on Twitter, uh, against my better judgment, uh, but Dow Steve on, uh, Twitter and, uh, and, uh, about, uh, once a month I'm doing something, uh, for sportsnet at, uh, sportsnet.ca. That's so good. Uh, so good to see you back writing on sportsnet when you can, we're all busy. We all got day jobs and we're all there are little people and growing people running around our homes but i really appreciate you taking the time i love catching up with you and hopefully when all of this is through i'll find myself in the nation's capital once again and we can raise a glass and have a great time everybody thank you so much that was deep. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.